0: We're to talk about a convention. There's a convention. Our house, our town, Duke football. One intention. One intention. That's to kick their yes. up. Kick their yes. Heavens up, the right, Let's go. Welcome
1: to this special off-season edition of the Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, and Scott Medlin. And it's been two months since we've recorded one of these bad boys, but we figure with everything that's gone on in the past week, it would be necessary to come on here and give our initial thoughts on everything that's happened from the uh, shifts in the coaching staff to Kevin White, AD at Duke since 2008, retiring this upcoming August. So, fellas, I'm just going to get into it really quick. We're going to get this thing rolling. Um, we also have a special interview with Josh. I forgot to mention that uh, later on in this episode, but wanted to just dive into it immediately. The uh, shifts that Coach Cutcliffe has made for the upcoming 2021 season with the coaching staff. And I think the biggest change is, is that we're going to have some co-offensive coordinators, Quan Boyette and Jeff Ferris. Jeff Ferris, is shifting from the tight ends coach to coach not only the QBs, but make the calls every Saturday for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, Rayquan Boyette, he will be shifting from coaching the running backs, who basically was the bright spot of this Duke team this past year, to overseeing the wide receiving core. So some changes um, will affect our offense very much. Uh, Newest addition – to the Duke coaching staff, Calvin McGee. He will take over the running backs coach position from Raquan Boyette. Uh, now, the last time McGee coached was actually at Old Miss in 2019. He coached the tight ends. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he brings in to help Matteo Durant and the other running backs that will be in the backfield. Zach Roper, everyone's favorite offensive coordinator, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, he will be moving over to coach the tight ends. Uh, he actually coached the quarterbacks for the last four seasons, and he also had a brief stint as the offensive coordinator. Again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Trooper Taylor now becomes an assist associate head coach and will also coach the cornerbacks. The cornerbacks will uh, have a new face after um, – Guys, uh, help me out here. I'm I'm forgetting who went back to Tulane to be the defensive coordinator, Josh.
0: Chris Hampton. Chris Hampton.
1: Chris Hampton. Thank you. Chris Hampton, after he left, Trooper Taylor will take over the cornerbacks. He actually, uh, Trooper did, coach the wide receivers for the last two seasons. Uh, Greg Fry is the offensive line coach. He was actually named the offensive recruiting coordinator during Duke's recruiting season. And Lanier Gothy. I hope I pronounced that right, uh, the linebacker coach was named the defensive recruiting coordinator. Now, I just spewed a lot of information. If you have any uh, questions after the podcast, go to goduke.com. They've got all the information. But really, truly, fellas, what stands out to you the most? What what change in within the coaching staff that you saw and said, I like it, or I have a lot of questions and I'm really concerned about it?
2: I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we Obviously, we talked about them needing to make some changes. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we were at for the second half of the season. And I'm excited to see Jeff Ferris calling plays. Um, I'm a big Jeff Ferris fan have been, you know, the whole time he's been here at Duke and I think him and Boyette together could be pretty good. Could be a good, um, hopefully a lethal combination, but, uh, I'm excited about it because, you know, we have a new quarterback. We're going to have a new quarterback starting next season. Um, we assume it's going to be Gunner, but it could be Luca either way, you know, just maybe the new blood, maybe shaking it up a little bit and see what we can do because obviously two and nine or three and eight or whatever we just did was not working. So maybe just switching these guys around would help. I'm interested to see though. And I won't say this. The, the one is kind of intriguing. I'm interested to see Trooper Taylor as a cornerback coach. Now, I do believe that he has that in his past because Trooper Taylor's been everywhere and he's done a lot of things and been on a lot of different coaching staffs over his years. But knowing, the, knowing what Trooper Taylor brings to the table as far as what he brought to the wide receiver table last year, going over to cornerback and helping those guys and coaching them up, I think that's going to be a good move for Duke. I think that's going to work out perfectly. And, again, we we love Trooper. Trooper's one of our favorites. Like I say I love Jeff Ferris. So these, these older guys switching around is great. The fact that the, the biggest thing that bothers me or worries me, and I won't say bother, worries, is the fact, is Cut going to smother? Is he going to be the Beverly Goldberg? Is he going to smother? Because if he's going to do that, then it's going to be a really long season for everybody. Especially these guys in the position. Now, if he goes back and becomes the CEO, which is what he should be, and gives them an opportunity to work, I mean, we can, we will not. I, well, we will not go 0 12. We're just just not possible anymore. We're not playing teams. We're going to get our heads bashed in every week. We have winnable games. Give these guys an opportunity. Give them a chance. Hey, who knows? We could go eight and three. Oh, well, it's, never mind. That was last season. But anyway, um, we could definitely do better and make a ball this year. But the fact that he was willing to change, hopefully is a sign of going in the right direction because that's where Duke football needs to be going back up instead of back in the turtlet.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with Scott. I mean, I'm most excited, obviously, to see the the changes at the offensive coordinator with Jeff Ferris, calling plays and whatever co-offensive coordinator means with Raquan Boyette. Um, I'm not as excited about that. I feel like Raquan Boyette was doing, doing a fantastic job with our running backs, which has been our best, I mean, group over the last few years. Uh, and he's been there the last three years, but going back to Ferris, I mean, he actually, was named at the conclusion of the 2018 season. He was named American football coaches association, FBS assistant coach of the year. So, I mean, I'm kind of excited, but it's one of those things. It's a tempered excitement. Um, it's like Scott said, is cut going to take a step back or is he going to be micromanage and just be all over everything. Um, the trooper Taylor move was kind of odd to me, but like Scott said, once again, he's he's done a lot over his career. The one thing I was looking at with Trooper Taylor, with them they kind of like raised a antenna for me like him being named associate head coach. I mean, this is me just kind of speculation. Is that like a coach and waiting type deal? I mean, could he be the guy after Cutcliffe or who knows? I don't know. That's just a random speculation for me, but all in all, I think the changes are good and I think they were needed. I think you gotta shake it up, and I think Cut realizes that. Um, honestly, his job very well could be on the line this year. So in the at the end of the day, we need to win. So if Cut takes a step back and just lets these lets these guys call the plays, let them, let them do their thing, and hopefully we can get back on to a winning, winning trend.
0: You guys make some very valid points, and um, I won't echo uh, all of those, even though I, 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 for the most part, agree with them. I will say a couple of things. Um, Greg Fry, uh, our offensive line coach, um, not been here long, and we've talked about this uh, in the past, that from 2015 on, um, <clears throat> losing John Latina was the biggest loss in Duke football, period. Our offensive line has never been the same. If you go back and listen a few podcasts back, we Brian and myself actually broke down the the hard numbers there from 2015 on, and how bad our offensive line has struggled. And so, if if making Greg Fry the recruiting coordinator and giving him a little bit more, if that is going to help him stick around and that's going to help him develop that offensive line, um, then I am all for that. Uh, we could possibly be returning Jack Wallaba. Um, we have a couple of transfers coming in on the O line. Um, will Taylor will be able to play his natural more natural position uh, this year on the offensive line. And so you know, I like that move. I think Greg Fry needs to be given the keys to do what he can do. And so I like I definitely like that. Um, but one thing I will say, and I'm not sure hiring one coach from the outside, um, is really shaking it up as much as we need to. Um, In the past, if you think about the coaches that have really come in and really made an impact, like a a very noticeable impact, recently you think of Trooper Taylor. Our wide receivers are better under Trooper Taylor. Uh, Before that, you think of Ben Albert. Ben Albert has taken our defensive line to where two of our defensive linemen are going to be drafted, one of them decently high this year. Uh, those guys are outside blood guys. And so I do think that, um, that it was kind of a safe move in not bringing in some more blood from the outside. Now with COVID and with all of these things going on, maybe there was some you know, some logistical things there where Cut kind of wanted to keep it close uh, with guys that he already knew, which is kind of coach, uh, Cutcliffe's mantra anyway. And that's fine. Listen, I'm all about Coach. Uh, Cutcliffe developing guys under him and all that good stuff but every now and then you need a shot in the arm every now and then you need to go out and make, make that risky hire and see what happens and so I don't think we did that so I'm not going to give us an a or a plus for this off season, but I'm cautiously optimistic
1: well I yeah, guess well
0: sorry go ahead
1: no you know you're good Jamie um yeah, I mean, I really feel like we're just uh, we're just moving the furniture around the house right now with what we got going on. We're we're just trying to uh, make different lo- rooms look different with different furniture. Um, I'm gonna give my thoughts on coaching the the coaching staff uh, and why Co- Cut did it when we start talking about Kevin White, but. Um, you know, one thing that the guys and I were talking about before we got on was the hire of, of Calvin McGee. And uh, I saw that the last place he was at was Ole Miss and he was a tight ends coach and just did not get a lot of production. And Scott mentioned to me that Ole Miss doesn't really utilize the, the tight ends. But I started doing my research, um, you know, while I was thinking about it. But Calvin McGee is apparently a, a running backs whisperer, guys. Um, he was at South Florida, coached the running backs. He was at West Virginia with Rich Rod, coached the running backs, was the offensive coordinator there, was at Michigan for two years, coaching the running backs, offensive coordinator. He was at Pitt. We all love Pitt, seeing as we can't ever beat him. Uh, Went with Rich Rod to Arizona and then was in New Mexico for a year with running backs. Now, that's great, Brian. He's gone to all these schools and he's coached running backs. Well, here's something for you that I found, too. When he was at South Florida and West Virginia, his running backs averaged 19 attempts a game a game, and averaged 100 yards a game. Uh, yards per carry, almost six. Imagine Mateo doing that next year. Furthermore, in 2012, while he was at Arizona, he apparently won a running back coach of the year award because his prodigy at the time, Kareem Carey, ran for 200 or I'm sorry 1757 yards on 275 attempts and had 20 touchdowns. Think about that fellas. When's the last time we had a Duke running back do that? Anywhere near that. Get your predictions ready for next year. So, I got to be honest, when I first heard it, I was like, well, who's Calvin McGee? But after looking at the his background and his resume, I'm going to be interested to see what he can do with these running backs, how to make them even better than what they were last year. Because we had a two-headed monster. We might have another two-headed monster this year. But I'm interested to see what he brings to the table to make our guys even better.
3: That's very good info on Coach McGee, Brian. You got me me a little more pumped to see see him in Duke Blue this year. Um, I wanted to say one thing right before we go into – Was going to be interesting issue with our athletic director situation. Um, I wanted to shout out one of our Facebook followers, uh, John Watson. (laughs) He made one of the funniest comments I read on the coaching changes the entire, the entire time we were discussing this on our social media pages. He said, it's like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. And I just thought that was hilarious.
0: Yeah. Shout out to to John Watson. He's, Uh, The man behind the Devil's Den, if you don't know or you don't subscribe, uh, we're all about that. But, yeah, we do – it'll be interesting to see these coaching changes and what happens. Uh, But that is only one piece of the puzzle. The other piece is that uh, for the last 13 years, Kevin White has been the athletic director here at Duke University, and it was just announced that as of this August, he will be stepping down and retiring. And so this leaves – um, obviously a very interesting void. Um, not to rain on all these guys' parades, but I'm, I'm talking right now so I can go ahead and say this. Kevin White's replacement will be replacing, one day, Mike Krzyzewski and David Cutcliffe. Talk about some pressure. This hire will be hiring the new football coach when Cutcliffe retires, as long as he sticks around and the new basketball coach. And so, man, I don't envy whoever this is. This has got to be the right hire. We could talk about guys who – I don't know if there's any names. I have not seen any names floated around personally. Um, but, you know, who are we – Who? what kind of a guy are we looking for? There's obviously a lot that goes into it. With Duke being the academic school that it is, um, as well as its, as it's focus on – Athletics, you know, mainly. Let's be honest, men's basketball. You know, let's—that is the the engine that makes the the Duke a- a- athletics. Sorry, I'm not supposed to mention basketball. The Duke round bouncing ball team of men, um, but that's what brings the money, generates the money, and so it's going to be very interesting, guys. What are your thoughts um, on this potential? Um, well, it's not potential; it's happening. Uh, this athletic director. Uh, retirement and then subsequent hiring
3: my thing is um we don't want to go back to where we were before kevin white came in uh with oliva i think he was pre-kevin white if i'm not wrong um where they just basically disregarded the football program and it was oh let's just roll ted roof out there for you know, six, seven years, however many years he was there, I stopped counting. Um, Once again, Ted Roof was a great guy, but not a great football coach. Um, The new AD has got to replace two legends, let's be honest. Coach K is obviously a legend, but Coach Cut is a legend at Duke. I mean, even with the last couple of years not being so great, Cut has built up our football program to a point where we garner some respect now when we go on the road, we're not everybody's homecoming game <laughs> like we used to be. And we don't want to go back to that. Um, so this is as important of a hire as we've had in recent memory. And I think we've won a total of five national championships under Kevin White. Um, obviously not in eight national championships. I'm sorry. I mis- mis- uh, misread that at some point. Um, so he's been a very successful athletic director, and we want to continue that through the next however many years the next athletic director is in Durham.
1: Yeah, eight national titles, 23 ACC titles under Kevin White's uh, tenure, so very impressive numbers. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat, and for all you folks out there, um, sorry, this is just how I'm thinking with timing and everything like that, but just hear me out. So, one, I didn't realize, and this is on me, that – Kevin White did not hire David Cutcliffe. Kevin White came in after David Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe was hired in December of 07. White came in, and I believe it was May of 08, somewhere around that time frame. Um, But I just see the timing of the shift in the coaches and the positions and Kevin White announcing his retirement almost immediately too coincidental. And the reason why I say that is, is, if I'm Kevin White, I've obviously developed a good relationship with these coaches. Last year was last year. It sucked, plain and simple, for, for Duke football. So to kind of get ahead of the new AD coming in, because let's be real, if you're at a new job, you're coming into a leadership role, you want to make your changes. You want to set the, the precipice for what you want in your athletic department. So in my mind, Kevin White is a favorite to David Cutcliffe, went to Cutcliffe and said, hey, just to give you a heads up, I'm retiring in August of this year. You might want to make some changes. You might want to do something to, to show my replacement that you're trying to win and get Duke back to the way it was. So Keckliff doesn't let anyone go. We know this. So he shifts positions around as far as coaching positions so that whoever they hire, Duke the Duke Board of Staff or Board of Directors, I should say, he can show the, the new AD, hey, look at all these changes we've made. But I think it ultimately is going to come down to this, regardless of the changes and anything like that, wins and losses. And to Jamie's point, is this athletic director going to be focused on all sports, like Kevin White was? Because Kevin White really did focus on every Duke sport, and it showed with the eight national titles, 23 ACC titles. Or will we go back to the days of the round ball first, everything else below it is second? Don't want that. None of us want that. And with all the money that was pumped, that has been pumped in to Duke football, if I'm the board of directors, I want to hire someone that's going to take the next step as an athletic director. Don't get me wrong. Kevin White has done a ton, a ton for Duke athletics. Look at Duke baseball. They're prominent now. They used to be a laughing stock. Now they're nationally recognized. I believe they almost made the World Series two years ago. Last year or two years ago. Thank you. Two years ago. So again, you you just see these subtle little things. This is Kevin White's um, footprints all over the Duke campus. So who are we going to hire next? This is just like the Josh said, who are we going to hire after Cutcliffe and Shashevsky to take the programs the next step? Who are we going to hire as far as an athletic director to take all programs to the next step? And could it be folks getting let go? Absolutely. I'm sorry. We're in the nature of winning. Every school is because winning schools produce revenue, produce, gets money, gets sponsors. You're not winning. You're not getting the revenue. You're not getting the sponsors. Trust me. We know. We remember the days of Ted Roof and Carl Franks. And unfortunately, Fred Goldsmith, he had the one good year and then it all went to, you know, hell in a handbasket. But You know, again, going back, that was, a you know, just – it's funny just the timing. The changes are made, and then two days later, Kevin White announces his retirement. Maybe he's trying to get Cutcliffe another year or two. But ultimately, again, it's going to come down to, will these changes help us get wins, or will we be having another repeat season like we did last year, COVID or no COVID, plain and simple?
2: Well, I I will say this, and, you know, obviously – I, today, and this is a Duke football podcast today, they announced the firing of Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee and they announced that, uh, what's his name? Phil former, sorry. Phil former is also going to be retiring in August. So the rumor mill has already started. And I know it's just, it's just, you know, people trying to get clickbait. They've already talked about former possibly coming to duke is the next ad i don't see that happening i'm gonna go ahead and squash that right now but because of the Cutcliffe former uh, you know thing from years ago at tennessee back when tennessee didn't suck um yeah it's not happening but you know it's funny kevin white we're talking about all the things he's done at duke he has been a great athlete.
0: Yeah. And we lost Scott there. Um, but he has been, um, a great, a great athletic director. We can't do anything about that internet. Scott has up in cream more. Um, but, but I, I will, I will say this. Um, we have to be honest that the next head, co- uh, the next athletic director is going to be approved, possibly handpicked by Mike Shashevsky. I mean, at the end of the day, that is what it is. Um, so it's going to be handpicked by Shushkevich, and, and 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 we're just going to have to be prepared for that as football fans. And so, I know Coach K has a couple more years, a few more years left, um, in what he's going to do with with the round ball. And we know that. And Coach K is not only going to want to have a a large say in um, what he and who his replacement is, but also, I think, in who this athletic director is, Brian.
1: Well, well, but let me ask you this, and I'm I'm gonna go way out there.
0: By, by the see, way, Brian, real quick, do we really go to the moon back in the 60s? Yeah. And, <laughs> you you the what blast. about what about Sandy Hook, man? You got anything <laughs> about Sandy Hook or
1: don't don't get me started. No, in, in all seriousness though, do you see? Do you guys see? And again, apologies. It's the off season, so we can kind of get into this with basketball. Do you see K? retiring or taking on a role with Duke, I guess, university after he retires?
0: But that's a great question. And and I don't know the answer. Kay seems like the kind of guy, honestly, who says, I gave it everything I had. I'm retiring. I will stay on maybe in a special role, which means, you know, once every three to six months, he sits in a meeting as an advisor. I, I don't know. I don't see Kay leaving the coaching position and then going to something that's going to like, that's going to take up some time. I, I personally don't see that to be 74 years old. Um, you know, I don't know that, but he would do that. I think about, you know, people that are in their mid seventies. I'm not, even though coach K is like the bionic man, I'm not sure how many people in their, in their mid seventies are like itching to take on something new.
1: But, okay, so that's the reason why I was asking, because you, you mentioned that Coach K would probably have a say in who the athletic director is. That's great. But who's to say this athletic director goes and bucks the trend and tells Coach, hey, you're going out the door. I want to, you know, put my stamp on this university, not just for basketball, but for, with football as well. Because there's going to be – listen, you got the Iron Duke, you've got all these, you know – boosters, and all the donations, you're going to be getting 15 different opinions on who you should hire, both in basketball, football, and whatever other sport where a coach might get fired or leave or retire or whatever. So, I mean, that's a lot of responsibility for any athletic director for um, a, a college university, but I think for uh, one as prominent as Duke, more so for basketball than football, but still, Cutcliffe has gotten Duke into the, the at least the talks of you know, hey, when he leaves or when he retires or when he uh, you know, gets fired, if that happens, then who would step in? Would it be an up-and-coming coach like Steve Spurrier was or would it be a more tenured coach who was kind of like Cutcliffe was in 08? Mm-hmm. He's not ready to retire, but he's also not a young buck. He's kind of in the middle. So a, a lot of what-ifs, and I love playing these games, but it's just something that I thought about to where – is Coach K going to kind of be lurking in the shadows after he retires, kind of pushing buttons as far as who gets hired and who gets fired and, you know, talking in the, in the athletic director's ear, whether he has a say or not. It's just stuff I think about for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll go to Jamie in just a second. I, I, um, I think that Coach K is going to say, hey, I got 12 $1 million donors that say I have a say in what happens. I don't care if he's the current head coach. I don't care if he's sitting at his house down off of Cornwallis drinking a margarita outside, watching the games on TV. I don't care if at the end of the day, K is the one who is bringing in those, those donors. And at the end of the day, some up and coming AD comes in and tries to buck the system. It's a, it's a, it's a brutally honest uh, uh, wake up call when those donors start removing their support. And so, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we can work through this, and I think that the right hire can be made—someone who is going to listen to K, uh, but also be his own man. I think you can you can do both. I think you can listen to K. I think K is smart enough, and he and he has proven over the last forty plus years that he doesn't just love Duke basketball, but that he loves Duke University and he loves the athletic department. And if, if, if that will continue to remain true, which I think it will, um, I, I, I do feel confident in what we're going to do. Jamie, sorry I interrupted you.
3: No, um, I was going to go into one of my conspiracy theories here. Brian got it going. Um, what if Kay decides at the end of basketball season, you know what? I don't want to deal with a new athletic director. I'm retiring. I'm 74, getting ready to be 75, you know. I'm done. I don't think he'll do that because his grandson's on the team now. I think he's going to coach. My my theories, and we're talking more about basketball here because, honestly, we know Coach K is what drives things at Duke. So um, I think he's going to coach another four years until his grandson is, is gone, or if he wins another national title, then he might hang it up then. Um, but what if he decides to retire? What if, what if he just wants to out of the picture? And then it's on Kevin White to hire a new basketball coach instead of the new AD. I mean, that might be something to think about.
1: Well, he's got plenty of folks to uh, in the coaching pool that, that he could ask to come back. I mean, any coach would be foolish to turn down a, a Duke head coaching spot. But uh, Scott came back on. I guess his wife got off the phone from the dial-up in internet. Scott, did you have anything else you wanted to say? You were mid-sentence. Uh, nope. Yeah, he, he, he can't he's still working on uh, getting everything back up and running. Well,
0: well let, let me let me say um, you know, one final thing about about that Jamie. like that's that's a possibility, but man with those two guys coming in next year, those two recruits that he's got Blanchero and and Griffin and then the possibility of adding Baldwin and maybe even one more. Man, this team and I once again we apologize for talking basketball, but next year's Duke basketball team could be like legit those two guys are as strong a players going to the basket that I've seen coming out of high school so I don't think Kay hangs it up this year once again I think Michael Savarino being on the team is actually the major thing and I think he wants to coach him and you know but but we'll see Uh, we'll we'll see Uh, I do want to uh, bring one thing up and kind of in the middle of our podcast and then we're going to get into our interview in just a little bit But I did want to bring this up and we have mentioned on our social channels and we didn't tell Brian we were going to do this. But I do want to bring up that over the last few weeks, uh, we have found out that Brian's son, um, Harrison, is two years old. And right around Christmas Day, 23rd, 24th, 25th, um, went to the doctor for uh, what they, they weren't sure what was going on, but went to the doctor, got sent to the ER. Within 48 hours, he had been diagnosed with leukemia. And so um, Harrison has been in and out of the hospital for the past uh, since Christmas. Um, And you guys, especially on Twitter, uh, you guys have been super supportive. You guys have reached out to Brian, you've reached out to us and through DMS and different things. Um, But we just wanted to, you know, for our listeners sake, you know, they've hit a couple of roadblocks, but um, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers every day are with, are with Harrison or with Brian and his wife and his other son, and, um, and so I just wanted to just say that in the middle of the podcast while you're listening, um, that, listen, let's be support and, uh, supportive and come around, Brian. In fact, he even had, um, I think, a quarterback's uh, coach, assistant coach, reach out to him from Duke and just some really cool things. And so I just wanted to make sure that we're doing that kind of as a, as a little community of Duke football fans.
1: Well, since you brought it up, thank, thank you first and foremost, um, you know, I, I was going to type something or, or post something in, in the group pages that we have. But, you know, to Josh's point, I've had a lot of y'all reach out. So thank you for that. It means a lot. It means you're actually listening. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're doing as best as we can right now. Uh, obviously, it was something that we never expected. What parent expects to be told your kid's got cancer. I mean, it sucks, plain and simple. Um, but I will say this about Harrison. He is definitely a fighter. He definitely doesn't let any of this get down, get him down, even for two years old. He's definitely had some struggles these, you know, almost this last month. But all in all, his body's responding well to the treatment. Uh, His levels are getting back to where they need to be. Um, Every Friday, uh, he's having to get uh, chemo treatment. So we're, um, you know, thick into it. Um, You know, my wife, Bethany, she is, I say this all the time, she's our rock. She's been staying with Harrison uh, at the hospital while I stay here with our five-year-old Hudson. So it's been a a juggling challenge for sure. But uh, just making sure that we put things in perspective, we're getting him better. The doctors love the progress that he's made. And hopefully once the season starts, he'll be getting close to where he'll be getting in that maintenance phase to where they're just going to be checking him uh, once a month making sure that the cancer is not returned. But uh, all I can say is, again, thank you guys for the support, the texts, the tweets, the phone calls, the emails. It's been overwhelming in a good way. And, um, you know, hopefully the when we start these podcasts back up, uh, you know, we'll have some it's still in the off season. But when we get into the the, the heart of the season, I'll have some, uh, some great updates and, and things are going well. But thanks, Josh, for that mention. But we'll we'll get back into it we'll get back uh into the podcast itself you know with it being off season we did talk duke basketball a little bit but josh was able to snag an interview with one of duke's quarterbacks heading into the 2021 season luca Diamant. i believe i said that last name right okay good fantastic um and, and like we were saying at our end-of-season podcast, guys, we are going to try very hard to get as many interviews in during the off season. so we're not taking a elongated six-month break and then we start back up in July or August. So be on the lookout. We could have some interviews coming here in the, in the coming months, but Luca took some time out of his busy schedule to sit down with Josh and discuss all things Duke.
0: All right, we're at our interview portion of this. Uh, episode of the Duke podcast and looking forward to uh, talking to a returning quarterback off of last year's roster, Uh, Luca Diamant, and he was a true freshman last year and um, came in, you know, highly, highly touted. And we're excited, uh, Luca, to have you with us tonight.
4: Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. So we're just going to kind of relax and ask some questions, man, let you kind of talk and let the Duke fan base kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, as you move into your, your second season, I don't even know how that worked with last year, like counting and not counting and all that good stuff, but your second season here um, in Durham. So right off the bat, man, let's just get the elephant in the room. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. What was it like uh, being the son of your father, uh, Don Diamont? What was that like growing up in the, uh, with your dad being, uh, you know, po- kind of popular with the ladies, I guess you could say.
4: <laughs> um, well, he was popular with the ladies, but he was with my mom. So I didn't, so, uh, you know, that's a little different. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up, um, you don't really think anything of it, you know, you're just a little kid and you know, it's your dad. Um, you know, he's a great dad and he, uh, that's always been his first job. Um, and I, I think his favorite, he, he loves being a dad and, and was the best growing up and still is, Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you kind of just grow up and that's your dad and and that's really it. But, um, you know, we would, uh, my brothers and I would go to set with him and and hang out with him at, hang out with him at, at the set. Um, you know, we would sometimes be with him when he would run into people that, you know, wanted to take a picture or something, or, you know, he'd be watching the show in, in the kitchen when we were in there. So, um, he's always, uh, you know, just. Just been a dad first, um, and you know, just growing up with it, it's it's nothing crazy. Uh, but coming here and realizing, oh, you know, your dad's an actor, um, so it's fun. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a dad first for sure.
0: Yeah. Now, um, over on the, we don't talk about the round ball that bounces at Duke because this is a football podcast. But DJ Stewart over there, his dad was like an R and B singer. Uh, oh, back really? in the days yeah so like we've got you know we're getting these the children of these uh of these entertainment folks uh coming to Durham um that's but funny. yeah yeah that. that's yeah that's super cool um now you you and your brother both played four years at Venice High that's in LA County right
4: yeah in in LA Venice. yeah cool
0: and then I was reading up on some of that now did you start all four seasons freshman all the way through um
4: I started my freshman year. Um, I had an off-the-field injury right before my sophomore year and was out for the season, unfortunately. Um, but I would have started, and then but came back my junior senior year and started
0: started then. Now that's you know I, I don't know a lot about the high school football world, but um, is that kind of uh, unusual to to kind of start at a high school, be at a high level from the very beginning as a freshman, and then kind um, of continuing that through.
4: I mean, it's, it's been done before I wasn't the first one, but uh, yeah, I mean, usually depending on the situation at different schools, um, uh, you know, guys might have to sit a couple of years or start, you know, start when they're, they're junior year, senior year, um, sophomore year. But um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be put into a good position um, where the timing kind of worked out for me. Um, and also just had a great high school coach that I've been working with since I was um, a little kid um, Angelo Gasca, who my brother played for as well. So I grew up throwing with him and he, he's a great quarterback coach and just overall, uh, person. Um, my brother went there and, um, then I went there and, uh, it just happened to be good timing and, um, yeah, I was able to start. It was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, so your brother played at – is it Indiana? Is that right?
4: Yeah, he played quarterback at Indiana. Just a
0: reminder that we did beat Indiana in the pinstripe bowl. Uh, I know, I was there. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So I, uh,
4: I was there rooting for Indiana, but <laughs> ago, I'd, I'd be a dookie, so it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So just honest question then, man, who's a better quarterback, you or your brother? Uh, I mean, so I- so <laughs> you guys are similar in age and, and, you know, both played the position, man. If you, if you had um, to put your money on it, who's better?
4: Well, he's going to say – him well actually he might say me but it depends on on the day um I'm gonna say myself I broke every one of his records in high school uh but no he's he's a great great quarterback um he's done a lot more than I have I have a lot more to prove on the college level so he for sure is a step ahead of me um there uh but uh, I grew up looking up to him and he's one of the reasons I'm playing football right now um so Always wanted to follow in his footsteps. Um, had a great college career, and hopefully, I can uh, have my own.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's neat. Just uh, you know, learning a little bit about your family and where you come from, you know, for sure. Uh, but living in LA, man, what? Um, who's the most famous run-in you you've had? Most famous person you've you've come across or interacted with? um being being out, i know everybody from the east coast thinks if you live in la you always see famous people all the time (laughs) that's probably not the case but probably in 18 years living out there you ran into somebody who was the most famous Uh, in your opinion it's a
4: good question um i don't know it's you kind of do just kind of run into people sometimes um it's a huge city but um adam sandler is a good one uh Mm. we we kind of developed a relationship with him and he, he's super funny and a super cool, great guy, um, different athletes. Um, so yeah, I'll stick with Adam Sandler. Cause yeah, that that's a good one. Good oh, yeah, that's a, that's
0: a great one. I mean, you can't, you can't, meet, can't be meet that. That was, uh, I've been to LA one time and I was like, man, I, I want to see somebody and I think I saw some like figure skater or something that someone <laughs> was like, Oh, that's a figure skater over there. So that was, that was the most I did, um, in LA, but, yeah. um, there's, but yeah, there's th- some,
4: walking down the street so anybody could be famous
0: (laughs) yeah for sure for sure man Um, looking into your high school career it was obvious that uh, academics played um, an important part of your life growing up as well and obviously putting two and two together with you arriving at Duke understandably academics probably had something to do with that as well but other than academics what was it about Duke that made you uh, end up committing Because you had uh, looks and offers from, you know, just truthfully, some bigger programs and some more high-profile programs.
4: Um, Duke really just checked every box for me. Um, Like you said, academically, um, there's no place like Duke that offers academics and the sports like we do. Um, It really is a special place in terms of that. Uh, But other than that, um, I just really like the coaching staff here. Um, All the players that I met when I was being recruited were great. Um, just really treat they they, just all the coaches coach cut um, you know they care about you more than just the football player Um, and I think that's huge and I think that was something that really stuck out to me and my family that other schools um, you know didn't didn't emphasize as much Um, but um, you know coach cut um, really cares about the people and the family um and that's huge for us it's you know family's number one on my board um and uh it is for coach cut as well so um just how they treat people um is huge for me and you know at the end of the day it is bigger than football um and uh I go to a great school with a great program and a great football program but at the same time and um and growing as a person um in every aspect and I think um just Duke offers things that just other schools simply can't
0: yeah, I see the coaching staff often put it's a 40-year 40, 40 decision, not a four-year decision. Yeah, yeah, it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, just kind of candidly here, man, taking a little bit of a turn, um, thinking through maybe growing up and even now, current day, if you had to rank, you play the quarterback position, if you had to rank uh, your top three favorite quarterbacks of all time, man, just – uh Thinking through that, maybe guys you've watched, or maybe even some older guys. I don't know how, how much of a you know old-school football uh, guy you are, um, but who would you NFL, rank in your top three? NFL? Uh, it, it could be anything.
4: Um, I'll stick with the NFL. Um, it's a hard one, though. There's a lot of good ones. Um, Aaron Rodgers is for sure up there. I was just watching some film on him, um, what he's able to do. Um and just his arm angles and how he flicks the ball, I think is pretty special. Um, and he's just so calm and collected. Um, I love his game. Um, I mean, you got to put Tom Brady up there, you know, you got to win championships and he's, mm-hmm. he's won the most. And uh, so it, what he's been able to do and for as long as he's been doing it is, is insane. Um, so Tom Brady, for sure. Um, a younger, I mean, then there's, uh, 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 an older guy back in the day, Joe Namath, um, growing up, my dad was a fan of him and my uncle as well. And I read a book on him and have watched film of him. And he, he just kind of brought swagger that nobody had at the time. Um, so Joe Namath is, uh, was uh, a pretty cool guy, Broadway Joe.
0: Yeah, for sure. And about the Rodgers thing, what's crazy about him is he's, he's like 37, and I swear he's playing the best football of his career right now. Yeah, he's and, uh, about an
4: MVP. It's
1: crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty wild. And uh so speaking of that, kind of leading in, um, what are your thoughts on the um the rest of the NFL season, the AFC championship, the NFC championship? Who do you think between the Bucks and the Packers and the NFC and then the Bills and the Chiefs? Obviously, with Mahomes uh still uh up in the air, yeah, it's a tough, I guess that's a tough yeah. prediction to make. Um, but mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the uh two games remaining
4: i'm going to take the packers um just i think they're on such a hot streak right now and and they're just so good and aaron rodgers is I, like you just said is playing the best he's ever played you know um so i think the pa- it's going to be the packers um and depending on mahomes i mean i think the chiefs i don't know it's 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 yeah. a tough decision but i mean the teams right now are just so good um the quarterback play is just insane. So, I mean, it could really end up going anywhere. Uh, betting against Tom Brady is a very hard thing to do just because he always seems to find a way. Um, so Tom Brady could slip in there and the Bucks could win it all. So I don't know. Who do you think?
0: Well, I think, I think it's going to be difficult to beat Green Bay at Lambeau. I just yeah, think with the bold for sure. Yeah, the the elements, and then you know they're letting fans in, I believe, uh, a little bit, and that that's got to make a little bit of a difference after having basically yeah. no fans, you know, throughout yeah, the season. Watching,
4: I was watching the Saints game, and they were saying just the uh, fans made a huge impact for them. Um, yeah, for sure. I, bet, I mean, even for us this past season when we were home and there were no fans, um, it really does, you know affect you. uh, uh, And it's tough. And then we would go to an away, away stadium and there'd be thousands and thousands of people there. So um, it for sure does make a difference. And I think uh, the Packers, I think rely a lot on their fans and they can really get them going. Um, So I think that's going to be a good advantage that they have.
0: Yeah. Would you say any of these, because we saw a sneak peek of, of your game, uh, obviously down in Tallahassee uh, this year. Which, by the way, that had to be kind of wild, you know, not playing all season, and then it's like, oh, here we are down at dope, you know, down in Tallahassee, and and uh, and then and Chase goes out, and your name is called. Uh, yeah. But which, do you kind of have a? I mean, Josh Allen's kind of you know exploding on the scene this year. Um, is that kind of a little bit of, of your your game, uh, a little bit found in, in Josh Allen?
4: Um, You could say so. He's a little bit bigger than me. But uh, yeah, I I love Josh Allen. I love his play. Um, He leaves it all out out on the field um, every play. Um, He scrambles around, um, makes plays with his feet, um, throws a great ball. um, And he's just really a playmaker. And, you know, that's how I see myself. Um, But um, what he's been able to do has been amazing as well. He's made some uh, great plays. But yeah, I, I could for sure see some similarities in his game and mine.
0: Yeah, when, when I looked on your, like, recruiting websites, uh, some of them listed you as a dual threat, yeah. others listed you as a pro style. So that kind of, you know, uh, a good hybrid there.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, that just shows you what recruiting websites are are really like. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you watch my tape, you could see that I, that I was a dual threat. But, um, yeah, I do like to run, run the ball. But, um, yeah, I, could, I, I like to say I could do it all.
0: Well, hey man, that's uh, we like to hear that man. There's no, there's no shame in that for sure. Uh, speaking of Duke, man, this past season was uh, was crazy. Just everything going on in our country, all the regulations uh, for you coming in, you know, as a true freshman. Um, just and you, you've already mentioned the the lack of you know having fan support at home games and and you know I'm I'm assuming you know family maybe has you know had planned. We're going to be traveling to your games and whatnot, and then all of that's all of that's changed. Um, how just how crazy was it, man? Uh, just being a part of the Duke football program during 2020?
4: Um, it, it was really crazy. Um, I mean, everybody around the country has been affected in some way or another. Um, so when you're trying to get a program together with 110 players and you know the rest of the staff, uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but our trainers did a great job, Coach Cut did a great job, um, Hap. Um, everybody we had some great help from the doctors at the university um, and we were really able to kind of create our own little bubble like the NBA did um, and you know my teammates just did a great job uh, as well as just the regular Duke students we, we didn't have too many ca- cases on campus compared to other other schools so um, it was just a lot of effort from a lot of people um, a lot of good people that were able to make it happen. Um, But yeah, it was for sure weird. Um, Like I said earlier, there are no fans at home, you know, uh, family wasn't able to come. Um, Just, you know, we were in two separate locker rooms. Um, We, you know, we were masked up in meetings, uh, six feet apart. Um, You know, some things early on were different in practice than usual. So the weight room was different at first. So um, a lot of things were different and a lot of things changed and it, and it for sure was hard, but yeah, uh, I'm grateful we had a season because you know at, mm-hmm. at the start of it I, I really didn't think it was going to happen and some a lot of schools had half a season um, but um, I'm just lucky that we were able to play a season and and uh, my teammates were able to uh, you know seniors were able to get their 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 last year um, so
0: yeah for sure uh, for sure is there I, I've thought about this with the with football especially because you know like you mentioned you're in meetings with masks on six feet apart there's all these protocols. But then you're supposed to be able to flip this switch, right? And and get on the field and have the most physical of physical contact with other people. Yeah. Do you think there's there's an element to that this year that players had to get over of like, you know, the linemen especially and you know, just hitting somebody or like being up in someone's face, um, you know, because every other aspect of your life is kind of like stay six feet apart and completely remove yourself from those environments.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think so. Um, at the end of the day for a lot of football players, getting on the actual football field was kind of an escape from it all and kind of where it almost felt normal, um, just because we were just able to play ball. Um, but I mean, I, I think everybody, like I said, is, is affected by it in one way or another. So, um, I think our team was, and, and, you know, it could have played a role in it. Um, it's hard not being able to see regular students or going to regular class or just living a regular life, um, so so yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to turn a switch, but um, you know, I think we were able to, and and we we uh, we were all season.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it was it was, you know, kudos to to Duke University with you know. I think we had maybe one one scare of of a, of a player with COVID on the defensive side of the ball, maybe. But other than that, I mean, we were never the source of a, of a postponement or a cancellation, um, yeah, which is was, which is great.
4: Yeah, it was awesome. Like I said, just so many great people. Um, teammates did a great job. Um, just everybody really was really careful and strict, um, just trying to keep each other safe. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and it was all. Um, headed by coach cut and you know he he cares about our safety and he makes that his number one priority and tells us that all the time so yeah I was just lucky enough to get the experience that I did and just you know traveling and stuff like that it was awesome um, still had great memories and was able to you know get in my first game so yeah there there's a lot of things that sucked about it but um I try to look at the the glass half full yeah for sure yeah
0: for sure um there's been uh, quite a little bit of, uh, of a shuffle that's going on in the coaching staff in the off season. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're going to, uh, I guess with, with Raquan Boyette and with Jeff Ferris kind of taking over the offense. And I think I saw that Ferris is going to be quarterbacks uh, focused. Um, I guess from none of us having played college football, uh, what, is there a big difference in your opinion? Will there be a big difference um in those in the in the way that you're coached or in maybe the style or the system that you know of um when they do move these guys around and give them them different coaching positions
4: um i mean i, I don't not necessarily um i kind of leave that up to coach cut um but um i mean all of our coaches are great coaches um i love all of them they're all great people um in terms of, you know, how much of a difference it makes and what it changes and, and all that, I leave that up to Coach Cut um, and and the rest of the coaches and, and just let them do their job. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, um, the coaches are a tight-knit group and, and they're they're a tight-knit group with the players. Um, and, you know, so when Coach Ferris is able to go from tight ends to quarterbacks, we all know Coach Ferris and know what he brings and, and can get excited about that. And um, same with the other coaches. So, Yeah.
0: And you're not necessarily recruited uh, by necessarily position coaches, right? Recruitment is kind of regional because I know I've seen defensive coaches, you know, land offensive recruits and whatnot. Who was your lead? I mean, obviously Coach Cut is probably heavily involved in all of that, but who was your lead assistant who who kind of uh, did the bulk of the communication with you?
4: Um, Coach Ferris actually was, was the guy that recruited me the most um, along with Coach Roper and and uh, Coach Cut obviously and, and other coaches, but um, Coach Ferris had California, I believe, or there's a certain part of California, um, and he was also at the time the like recruiting coordinator, I believe. So okay. um, he he recruited me really heavily, and we we built up a great relationship um, along with Coach Roper and Coach Cut and other guys. Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of just funny that you know Coach Ferris was coming over to the quarterbacks just because I I uh, had a relationship with him. Already just from recruitment.
0: Yeah, that's that's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the off season here is we're looking forward to the twenty twenty one season. Hopefully it'll be a little more normal uh than last season was, but obviously no guarantees there. What are you working on uh currently kind of in your game and area maybe where you're trying to uh perfect your craft? Uh what's something you're looking at in the offseason uh to get better um, at moving in next year?
4: Uh I mean, I, I've been working on just getting my, my motion down. Um, I was coming off an injury this season. Um, so uh, I've been kind of just cleaning that up and really perfecting that and make doing, making it how I want it um, along with my feet and, and just really getting back to basics and, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah.
0: Cool. Um, final question, I man, we, we try to ask, um, well, it's, it's going to be the thing that we try to ask everybody. And we asked Dave Harding this question and got, um, an answer about ice cream. So, uh, so just just get ready. But what is one thing that you learned about Coach Cutcliffe that maybe not many people would know about Coach Cut? I know you've only been there a year, and it was an odd year. Harding said he could make some killer homemade ice cream. That, that was Harding's uh, um, thing about Cut. I, I haven't had his homemade ice cream yet.
4: Um, I mean, some people probably know this, but uh, he's he's quite a dancer. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, he, he has some moves. Like hip-hop um, or what? He just busts it out, whatever he's feeling. We'll play some music after practice or coming into a meeting or something, and we'll just give a little dance and, and get get the group going. So uh, he's quite the dancer, and it, it's fun. It's a fun time and uh, gets the guys <laughs> hyped up. So <laughs> Yeah, you know,
0: now that you say that, I remember a couple of uh, Twitter posts where – he had done that with like a, one of the, the Duke um, employees that was outside the locker room after a win and a couple yeah. of, uh, a couple of uh, reporters were out there and got videos of it. So uh, we have seen a little bit of, uh, of cuts, dance moves for sure. So um, that's cool. Well, you're moving, you're heading into the 2021 20, season. Obviously the quarterback room is pretty um, set as far as between Gunnar Holmberg and yourself in, in all good ways of just uh, coming in and competing Um with one another and making each other better, um, looking forward to seeing who um, you know would take the lead there. I know Coach Cutcliffe in the past has done a lot of two quarterback stuff, and um, you know back in back in the, kind of the mid twenty uh, teens or whatever. Um, how's your relationship with Gunner, man? And how are, do you guys stay in contact quite a bit? And what are you looking forward to most this year about kind of um, pushing each other to be better?
4: Um, yeah, Gunner and I are very close. He's he's one of my closest friends here for sure. Um, he's an amazing teammate. Um, he's a great guy on and off the field. Um, and I wish nothing but the best for him. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, he's a great player, great guy. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm just competing against myself every day. Uh, Um, just trying to get better one day at a time. Um, and I know he is too. So everything's going to play out the way it's supposed to play out. Um, and yeah, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you've got. Uh, four guys right here that are that are big fans of yours and of and of gunner and of you know we've all we've been lifelong uh duke fans and we were we've been in the stands during the 0 and 11 seasons and uh and then we were we were privileged to be in the stands in 2013 quite a bit so um you know it's been it's been a good ride for all of us but we're looking forward to this season man looking forward to seeing you uh being able to compete and get uh even more reps on the field and looking forward to duke football getting back to where we all know duke football can be for sure
4: yeah, uh, I'm excited. And uh, I, I really appreciate you guys loving Duke football and and being loyal fans, even, even after this past season when it was a little rougher than usual. So uh, we'll get this boat turned around. Don't worry. And uh, hopefully we can get you guys in the stands, too, um, with all this Corona stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We um we're definitely ready we sit in section 17 in the top row because uh that's just where we've been perching um but look man you're in durham now you're from california once once some things are lifted and i'm sure you guys have protocols but there's some really good food in durham i just want to give you the heads up we're, we're a few foodies here there's some great food in downtown durham so when you get a chance make sure you make your rounds
4: i will i've uh, i was here last semester as an early enrollee when things were more open so uh no there's a lot of great food in durham um i have been i am sure there's more to discover um but uh maybe you guys could help me out with it and yeah for sure we'll, we'll shoot you numbers.
0: some I, i've yeah. had my fair share of meals and so uh you know we, we can shoot you some well luca thanks for coming on man uh we really appreciate it and we really look forward to the 2021 season
4: yeah thank you guys very much uh it was nice meeting you guys
0: and we do want to thank luca diamant for coming on with us for this episode just a great interview a great young man and we truly do look forward to four more years of him uh, in Duke Blue. Just an incredible young person. And so we do thank you for tuning in to this off-season uh, podcast. We do look to add some more interviews. And then, obviously, as spring ball, ball as spring ball approaches, we would like to do some preseason uh, pods and whatnot and talk through everything that's going on in the Duke football program. And so be looking for those. We don't have a schedule per se, but as we are able to land interviews and as we're able to talk through these things, we will, we will be releasing some off-season podcasts. But for Jamie Holt, Brian Kennedy, Scott Medlin, and our producer, Justin Sykes, um, this is Josh Cox. And this has been another episode of the Section 17 Podcast by Duke Football Talk.